Have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare those, O God, which confess their faults. Restore those that are penitent. According to your promises, declare to us in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant the most merciful Father for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life. To the glory of your heavenly name. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who of his great mercy has promised forgiveness of sins to all those with hearty repentance and true faith turn unto him. Have mercy upon us. Pardon and deliver us from all our sins. Confirm and strengthen us in all goodness and bring us to everlasting life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. And as our reader comes forward, um, I'd like to invite all uh, kids, uh, 4K through third grade, 4K through third grade, to go back with Miss uh, Kathy for our kids' grace time, where they're walking through the scriptures so our kids have a good biblical foundation. Uh, once again, uh, that's 4K through third grade to follow Miss Kathy back. Um, for our older kids, um, and for anyone actually who would like to engage with this service, uh, maybe at a at more of, of an, of an artistic level, we have our kids' activity packet there in the back, or our station rather. Uh, once again, this is not to distract you from what's happening up here, from what's being said and sung, but to actually give you tools to help you more deeply engage. And with that, we have our read. This morning's reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 34, page 828 in your Pew Bible. Matthew 22, verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us your word by which we may know your heart and know your love for us. Fill us with the Holy Spirit that we might hear your word as it's preached and that our hearts may be so transformed by your love that, that our hearts seek to love as you love. Write this on us this day. We ask all this. In your son Christ's name. Amen. I grew up as a child of the South. And so when I, um, so I didn't have much exposure to cold climates. But when I was in college, I went over there for a six week long um, uh, study abroad class, if, if you will. We were staying in these different um, colleges. And, and I walked into my room to find something incredibly peculiar to a southern boy. I looked and, you know, instead of there being sheets, you know, folded or at least on the bed and, you know, a couple blankets you could throw on, there was this strange creation. I can only describe it. It was, it was like somebody took an enormous, like, linen um, pillowcase, right? And in it, they inserted this down-filled blanket. And it it was 
you know, the top was open. It had buttons on it. The top was open. And it was, and I was like, this is, what is, this is the most amazing creation I've ever seen. I would have never thought about this. I see what you do. You don't need sheets. You don't need a, you just get in it, right? Like you just slide in it. Like the, obviously the end is open. That's where I'm supposed to get inside, right? And so I get inside it. And if it's a warm night, I'll sleep on top of the down cushion. And if it's a cold night, then I'll go sort of get underneath it, but everything's going to wrap up. And in the brilliance of this creation, they've actually put buttons on the top. You can button yourself into it. <laughs> this is fantastic. I was amazed. I was like, these English people are brilliant. So that night, I got in there and buttoned myself in. <laughs> and I go to sleep. And I start itching. I'm getting poked by all these little things, and then I start to sweat. It's just incredibly hot in there, and I try to get out, and I can't because I'm all buttoned into this thing. I'm like, these English people are idiots. What are they doing? What are they doing? And so finally, in the middle of the night, I just take the whole thing off, and I throw on a sweatshirt, and I try to get some sleep, and I don't get much, and I go into my um, friend's room, and and, and I walk in, and he's like lying underneath it. And I'm like, nah, man, you're doing it all wrong. I was like, you got to get up in that thing. He's like, what are you talking about? You, this is a duvet. I'm like a do what? <laughs> like, this is a duvet? Like, you, you, like oh, you get out oh, I see. I see. And then once I learned how to use this incredible creation called a duvet, if you haven't tried one, I really encourage it. But that's why I wanted to use this amazing creation. And once I did, it actually became one of the most comfortable blankets I've ever had. And I still use one to this day. So, why this story? Well, I think this story in its own weird way, if you will, brings us into the heart of what we're talking about for our Lenten sermon series. And that's the Ten Commandments. God's law, if you will. You'll, you'll hear me use the word law as I preach and talk about it. That's really what I mean are the Ten Commandments. And I think that um, the reason why I feel called to focus on this is that I think we treat God's law, these Ten Commandments, much like I treated that duvet. I totally misuse it. I make certain assumptions about how it's supposed to be used, and I end up using it all wrong, and it, and it actually deprives me of its primary purpose. And so this Sunday, we are beginning an incredibly ambitious sermon series. I'm going to try to cover all 10 in five weeks. Um, Rob's going to preach for us next Sunday. I, 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 I gave him the first four, right? So we'll see how that goes for him. Um, but um, but today I want to begin by actually giving us the widest lens, the biggest lens possible. And so the rest of the Sundays, we'll be focusing on more specific ones. But today, I just want to look, um, if you will, touch, if you will, on what is the true role of the Ten Commandments in, in a person's life, in a, in a Christian's life, and what's the true goal behind them? Why did God give this to us, give them to us? And my hope is that by the end of this sermon series, we will have a new and frankly surprising and comforting understanding of God's incredible love for us. Who thought that rules could lead us to love? But they actually do. So, how do we rightly, as Christians, and as people actually, understand the law's purpose? Well, 
Theologians that have used the Bible as their authority have discerned by looking through it three ways that God is calling us to actually use what we um, use as part of our, our worship. And the first one is probably the broadest level. I'm going to spend the least amount of time on this one. Once again, this is not, not a deep dive into the whole thing, but just the, the big picture. Um, but, the, but the first one, the broadest one, probably the one that sort of rings with the most common sense, is that God gave us these Ten Commandments to restrain us, to restrain our sin, to reduce the impact that our sin has on the world and that other sin has on us. I don't know about y'all, but I tend to think that life is generally more tolerable and more enjoyable when things like murder and theft are punished, right? So at, at that very basic level, God gave us these things to um, help this world be as peaceful as it can be with us selfish people living in it. And that, yes, life works better when we follow these commandments. This is how we should live, right? Now, quick application here. Um, we could go into a thing about more relativism. We don't have time for, for, for that. What I mean by that is we, we live in a time where uh, we tend to say, at least in our Western culture, that you have your truth and I have my truth. And, and my truth works for me and your truth works for, for you. So don't impose your truth upon me. Now, at one level, sure, we should live in a tolerant society where people disagree with us. Absolutely. But I think one of the fascinating things about the Ten Commandments is that every culture uh, seems to adopt them in some specific way. And it really kind of cuts, cuts against that Western understanding of what truth is. That truth is an individual thing. Right and wrong is an individual thing. But once again, fascinating topic. We will touch on it with prayer here for right now. So that's the first, the broadest level. Why did God give us this? To, to try to give us rules that would create a more, uh, that, that would reduce the impact of our sin upon each other. But as we really come pretty closely to what it means for a Christian, and this is my favorite one. It's the reason why, the primary reason why, the most important reason why God gave us these ten commandments is they convict us of the reality of our sin. They convict us of the reality of our sinfulness. It's throughout the scriptures, but it's put most succinctly by Paul in a Romans 3, verse, verse 20, when he writes, For by works of the law, no human being will be saved in God's sight. More on that later. Since through the law comes what? Knowledge of sin. Now, this, this illustration has been used throughout the centuries, but I think John Calvin made it the most famous when he said that the Ten Commandments are like a mirror. They tell us the truth about what we really look like. No matter how good we think we look, no matter how handsome we remember ourselves being, the law shows us that we're not even close. Last week when I introduced this concept, I talked about the, the suit of, of truth that I put on, right? Every, every uh, time that I have sort of a wedding or a funeral, I pull the one khaki suit out of my closet, which I bought when I was 25. It reminds me I'm not 25 anymore, right? 
Well, in the same way, we have a temptation, don't we? Y'all, I'm the first in this to essentially look at myself and say, you know, I'm not really that bad, right? I'm not, I mean, I make mistakes and I screw up and all this kind of stuff, but I'm not a bad person. I'm a good person. And then I do something like we did this, this morning. And we hear what the definition of a good person really is. Someone who keeps all of those things. And I'm convicted. I see myself clearly for who I am, that I'm not even close. Now, I'm gonna, it's not really a digression, but it's certainly an important place to go next. I'm going to unpack this a little bit more deeply, but I feel compelled to, to say that this use of the law, that it, this first use of it shows us that we are sinners, rejects the most common misunderstanding of why God gave us these Ten Commandments. And it's this. The, the most common misunderstanding is that obedience to these Ten Commandments is how we are saved. It's how we're made right with God. That if we're obedient, then he will reward us with salvation. And actually, the logic is pretty easy to, to a follow, isn't it? God made us. God made the Ten Commandments. And God told us to follow them, right? So therefore, we should be able to do it if we just would try hard enough, right? Because the assumption is that he wouldn't have given them to us if we weren't capable of keeping them, right? Would he set us up for, for failure? Well, I don't want to throw anybody underneath the bus. The, the reason why our hearts are pulled in this way is, is uh, multifaceted. But I think that there, there, there are a lot of well-intentioned people out there who love God. And they have a, a real desire to please him. They, they take his lordship seriously. They want to be responsible. They, they want to honor him. But, so what they end up doing, and I think what a lot of us end up doing, is they work really hard at keeping the outward actions in line. If you notice, as we prayed those ten commandments, the first nine all deal with kind of outward actions, right? Don't do this. Don't do that. But it's all about what we do. But there's a but the Lord loves us enough to not keep a secret from us. And the secret is that outward actions don't matter. What matters is the heart. What matters is the heart. What's the last commandment in that list? You shall not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. It's the only one that forbids an emotion, a feeling, a desire. Now, I don't know about, about y'all, but the earthly consequences of, of, of uh, stealing and of murdering and of adultery allow me to discipline my, my body, right? Like I can restrain it. Can't restrain this. This is wild, y'all. This this goes in all kinds of places. Why? And what's even crazier is it's gone there before I've even realized it's gone there, and I can ask it to please come back because I don't like where it's gone. So, what does this mean? 
means that we're sinning even when we feel like we're sinning. Even when we want to sin, but can't. As, as many of you know, I am, um, I like to covet a lot of things, but one of the things that I love to covet more than anything else is other people's intellectual abilities, right? Specifically, really smart theologians. And just this past Saturday, I went to an ordination of this really good friend. He's getting a PhD, and, and he's got his, you know, one of the, the, the top Anglican theologians is preaching there, and there are other theologians, and he's a really bright young man. And I'm sitting there in all my robes and all my righteous finery. <laughs> and I'm looking at these guys, and I'm saying, you're brilliant. You're great public speakers. And you have all of your hair. <laughs> I hate all of you. And I want to be all of you, right? You see, I can't stop my own heart. I can't stop my own heart. And you see, as, as we see, God does a really shocking thing. He sets us up for failure. Now, what, what do I mean by that? You see, God loves us so much. He knows what a, 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 an incredible big deal that we make out of ourselves. And he tells us that obedience to the Ten Commandments is what every single human being is called to. And so as we walk in that, what, what we begin to realize is that we can't do it. We can't do it. We can't be, we, no matter how hard we try, we can't be obedient like we want to. Brings us to the end of ourselves. Brings us to the bitter end, if you will. And we cry out, Lord God, I can't do it. And he says, amen. But guess what? In my son, Jesus Christ, I did it for you. How many of us, when we walked into this um, room this morning are laboring under this belief. And, and you know what? It's sneaky because really it comes in two different ways. The first one is, is that I have to obey these things for God to, to love me. If I don't keep all ten of these, oh my goodness, I thought I was okay until you talked about that covet thing, Hamilton. Now I'm done. Praise God. Because as you come in, my hope is that you're here, first and foremost, that Jesus Christ did all these Ten Commandments, not just outwardly, but in his heart. In his heart. He did them right. You heard in our scripture reading, shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. That word, that Greek word there, love, is the word of God. It just means perfect love without fail, without mistake without flaw, without a hint of covetousness in it. And none of us can, can ever do that. But Jesus Christ did that for us, and in doing that, in living that life for us, not just dying on the cross for our sins, that's important, but also in his perfect life, he now pulls us into his finished work. And some of you are saying, oh man, that's, that's great, I know that I'm saved by that. But here's, I think, the scarier way that we bring this in. 
is we think, yeah, I can't be saved. I can't get my original salvation by being obedient. But isn't that how I keep it? Isn't that how I stay saved? Since we're in Mount Pleasant, I will call this the pool club analogy, okay? When I was downtown, it was the yacht club analogy. Well, we're in Mount Pleasant, so now it's the pool club. Many of you are part, part of a pool, pool club, okay? We are too. You can only get in when somebody recommends you, when somebody sort of puts you up for a membership, and there's like a big down payment at first, you know? And so a lot of us view the Christian life as the pool club, right? Jesus put down the big down payment. I get in underneath his name. I'm, I, I, but, but now that I'm in, it's up to me to what? To stay in. I've got to work. I've got to do the parts of me. Or, or I've got to uphold my responsibility and pay my dues on a regular basis and volunteer at the swim meets and do all these things. And if I don't do them, then I'm out. And I find that's the one that grabs us Christians really hard, doesn't it? All right, Lord, I know you saved me, but, but, I, but, but, but I'm thankful, so, but I'm going to make sure that I can keep myself in the club, in your family, in your love. But of course, the beautiful part of the scriptures is that not, not only has the finished work of Christ gotten us in, the finished work of of Christ is keeping us in. It is finished, Jesus Christ said on the cross, not just his death, but his whole ministry for us sinners. What does it take to receive this amazing gift? Listen to the Ten Commandments. Be convicted of, our, of, of your and my inability to not only get ourselves in, but keep ourselves in. And that even in our best moments, there's a nugget of covetousness gnawing away. But our Lord Jesus Christ, by his grace, does that which we cannot do. And all of his accomplishments become ours simply by trusting that the Ten Commandments are right about us and trusting that Jesus Christ lived them for us, resting in his finished work. That's the second thing, and my biggest point, but that's, that's the second thing. The second way that we understand the law is it's the mirror that shows us how much we need a Savior. But yet that Savior has come to us to rescue us. But then there's a third use. The law not only shows what a good society or, or keeps a good society as healthy as possible, not only shows us that we're sinners, but the Ten Commandments also show us what real love looks like. You see, the opposite extreme of those um, of us who cling or, or, or believe that obedience is what saves us is those that get the cross of Christ and forgiveness, but go to the opposite extreme and say, you know what? Since Jesus Christ met the Ten Commandments for me, they, don't have, they have no relevance to me whatsoever. I'm saved by trusting in Christ. I've checked that box. We're all finished. He loves me. Isn't it wonderful? Now I get to live however I want to because 
God loves me and he's given me a new heart, and so I'm just called to love other people, right? Well, at first, I mean, there's some truth in that, right? But the problem is that Jesus Christ never says the law loses its power over us. It just changes. The law is now what we as Christians do to look at to show us how to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and how to love our neighbor as ourselves. Because you see, all of us, and and I think many of us in this room don't need to be convicted, that even though the Lord has saved us and made us his his own, yes, we do have a heart that loves. We should talk about this in our life group on Wednesday night. Yeah, we have this, there's a a substantive change in us, and we're more loving than than we've ever been, and we're more generous than than we've ever been. Um, But we're still sinners. We're still Covetors. We don't have the clear lens to truly love God as he wants to to be loved. To truly love our neighbor as ourselves. We don't have the lens to even love ourselves, much less our neighbor. And so there are also those of us in this room that feel the forgiveness of Jesus Christ overwhelmed by his love and you just simply want to know what it means to love the world and to love God. Well, a great place to start is by looking to the Ten Commandments, praying as we prayed this, this, this morning. Lord God, incline my heart. Give me a heart that wants to keep this law, that's targeted towards keeping it, that seeks to keep it, not because I'm saved or or, or not because that saves me, because Jesus Christ saved me, because in me keeping this law, I am loving you and loving your people. You've been wanting that guidance. Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, here we have the beginning of it. So, as we walk through, what is the purpose of the law in our lives? Number one, Life just works better when we follow them. It mitigates the impact of our sin. Number two, most importantly, it highlights the real status of our fallen hearts and our absolute need for a Savior. And then number three, by following them in prayer, we can truly love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbors as ourselves. I'll end with this. Where I always end. One of the things I love about this church is there are often people here that are curious about the Christian faith or have questions or have doubts. And I love that. That's why we call our church St. Thomas's Church because he was the, the uh, apostle that like said, I'm not going to show, I'm, I'm not going to believe until, until you prove it, right? And God came down to his level and said, I love you enough to, to show you that I'm real. And if that's you, if you're curious about the faith, if you would like to know more about this, what great work must you do? Well, the answer is right here. Trust with the mustard seed of faith that what I've said today is true. Not because I've said it, but because God's word says it. And the end result is you will not find a God of vengeance. A God that's looking for you to screw up so so he can hammer you and nail you but a God who loves us enough to tell us the truth about how much we need him and welcomes us in with deep, eternal 
forgiveness, safety, and assurance. And anyone can receive that if they come with just a mustard seed of faith. Come and receive that. And this is good news for us sinners indeed. Amen.